The following audio is from Steadfast Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Steadfast Church or to partner with us on mission, visit steadfastavl.org. Merry Christmas to all of you. I am thankful that you are with us. And uh, just for a few minutes this morning, I want to turn your attention with me to the scriptures. If you have a Bible uh, available, John 10 is where we'll be. If you don't, uh, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen. Why did Jesus come? That's the question that we've been looking at together during this Advent season. And the Bible is full of reasons that Jesus came. In fact, there are at least 31 of them. But we've taken the Sundays during the season of Advent and looked at reasons that Jesus himself gives us for why he came. And we've looked at each different gospel account. So uh, week one, we were in the gospel of Matthew and Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. Meaning he came to fill up or to complete the scriptures, to, to, to help them make full sense. In the gospel of Mark, we saw Jesus say, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, which is great because there's not a single one of us in the room who doesn't qualify for that offer. We looked last week at the gospel of Luke and Luke in in the gospel of Luke, Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This reference to Isaiah's prophecy, uh, essentially saying the mission of, of me, of Jesus, is the mission of the Messiah. I am the promised Messiah. And that brings us this morning to the gospel of Luke. And in the gospel of Luke, in this one little section here, we really see the heart of Christmas, even though this isn't necessarily a Christmas passage. So I want to read for us very briefly verses 7 through 11 in John chapter 10. And we're really going to focus on verse 10 and this reason that Jesus gives us for why he came. So if you, if you uh, want to follow along with me, I'll start in verse seven of John chapter 10. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Once again, we'll look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to be gathered with these beautiful people this morning on Christmas Eve. And I pray that in this short amount of time we have together, uh, Lord, that you would help us to see clearly the beauty and glory of Jesus, that you would help me to rightly divide this word, that it might benefit these people. And that that if there be anyone this morning who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Help us now be glorified and honored in this time of study. And we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said... By the way, this, this is what I feel like the barn would have been like, you know? 
noisy, chaotic, you know, everyone's trying to do their own thing and here we are for the glory of God. So uh, I love it, I, I actually really do. First thing I want you to see here, we're gonna look at John 10, 10. I'm just gonna take this verse and break it into two parts and we're just gonna look at these in succession. I want you to see here the need for Christmas. The need for Christmas, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Why do we need Christmas? We need Christmas because there is a thief who has come to steal and kill and destroy. And thieves only have one goal, don't they? Which is to take as much as they possibly can from you. That's, that's what thieves exist to do, to take as much as they possibly can from you. Just by raise of hands, how, how many of you have been stolen from? Just raise a hand if you've been stolen from. Yeah, a lot of us, right? Uh, some friends in my community group actually had their car stolen out of their apartment uh, parking lot this week, this week. They got it back, thankfully. Uh, but, but there's nothing almost more violating than being stolen from, whether it's been your wallet or your purse. Maybe your house has been broken into and you've had things stolen. When I was in college, my truck got broken into and uh, among the things that were stolen were all my college textbooks, which was a real bummer because I wasn't done with the semester yet, you know? Some of you have had your identity stolen. Increasingly, we see this happening. Here's the thing about thieves, though. They rarely announce that they're thieves or what their intentions are. Thieves come under the cover of darkness, right? They're sly, they're deceptive, or they lie and manipulate in order to take advantage of us. And that's really what, what Jesus is up against here in John chapter 10. This may surprise some of you, but John 10 comes directly after John 9. And the way to understand John 10 is to know John 9. And what happens in John 9 is that Jesus has healed a man who was born blind. And the religious leaders of the day, known as the Pharisees, were furious about this. And you think, why would they be furious that Jesus just healed a man? And the reason is because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. Now, here's what you need to know about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, um, they taught that the way to life, the way to eternal life, was through strict obedience to the laws and commands of God, of which, as they read through the Old Testament scriptures, they, they said there were 613 commands uh, of God, and you were more righteous the more of those 613 commands that you obeyed. And so they were all about strict obedience to the law. But Jesus was on to them, even from the very beginning of his ministry. And he knew that, that they were giving outward um, outward obedience to the letter of the law, but their hearts were actually far from God. And he calls them out multiple places <coughs> for being hypocrites, for putting undue burdens on other people that they were not willing to, to do themselves. In fact, break, um, Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath was not against God's law. It was a law that the Pharisees had made up or their interpretation of work on the Sabbath. And so it, it was an extra burden and Jesus calls them out for this over and over and over again. In fact, he even tells them that they themselves, the religious elites of the day, that they were preventing other people from entering into the kingdom. That they wouldn't go in themselves and they were preventing other people from entering into the kingdom. He says they shut the kingdom in people's faces. Now, Jesus is in verse one of John chapter 10 here, that the thief is anyone who... who um, leads people away from the door. Now, who, who is the door? In this passage, Jesus says, I am the door. Meaning, 
Back in that day, uh, if you were a, a shepherd, you, you would basically build a little pen out of stacked stone, but you wouldn't have a door. The shepherd himself would lay down in front of the door, which would keep the sheep in because they wouldn't cross over the body of uh, the shepherd. And it would keep wolves out because they would have to go through the shepherd in order to get to the sheep. And so when, when Jesus says, I am the door, he's saying, I am the way into the kingdom of God. And anyone who would, would say there's another way besides me, anyone who would, who, who would burden you with extra stuff to do on, stop of just, on top of just coming through me, the door, is a thief and a robber. The way into life with God, Jesus says, is simple trust in what Jesus has done. And anyone who leads people away from simple trust in Jesus is a thief and a robber. Now there's no doubt in a room this size that some of you probably grew up with religious traditions uh, that promised you life based on rules, based on obedience to these traditions. And no matter how hard you tried, you did not find life. You, you found death, you found scarcity, you found insecurity, you found hypocrisy, you found misery. And many of you rightly rejected and walked away from that kind of rules-based, traditional, uh, do this and be right with God sort of setup. But religion is not the only tactic that the thief uses to steal, kill, and destroy. There's another tactic that's right under our noses that's even maybe more insidious. And that is this promising life in the pursuit of the trappings of this world apart from God. Some of us have poured our lives into things like education and career and, and, and gathering up experiences in this life and making it whatever, however we define making it, only to find that those pursuits do not satisfy Some of you might remember a number of years ago, Tom Brady did an interview with 60 Minutes. This is after he won his third Super Bowl. He's now got seven, probably the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. And, and after his third Super Bowl, he was being interviewed by 60 Minutes and he said, you know, um, I'm 27 and I've achieved everything. And I, say, I think to myself, there's gotta be more to life than this. Here's a guy who had more wealth than you, could, than you could even imagine, married to a supermodel, one of the best athletes ever, one of the most recognized people. I mean, he achieved all the fame and status and success that anyone could ever want. And he says to himself, God, there's gotta be more to life than this. See, even when we achieve the things that our hearts are set out for, we realize they don't actually satisfy us. And many of us have very busy lives, but we don't have very meaningful lives. If we're not drawing our life from God himself, where are we finding life? So the, the need for Christmas. But secondly, I want you to see here the gift of Christmas. Look at John 10, 10 one more time. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, gifts that you receive are often a reflection of what other people think that you need. Um, some of you have, have received gifts year after year from a, a, a relative who um, has you kind of stuck in child mode and you're like a grown adult now and they keep sending you toys or things. I had this one aunt who um, she found out I liked cars and every year I would get some sort of Hot Wheels or NASCAR thing and I'm like, I'm 27, but thank you. <laughs> God is not a distant relative. 
who still thinks you're a teenager. What God gives, he knows you really need. And here in the text, he says, I have come that they might have life. Now in the Greek language, there are two words for life. One means the essence of life and one means the duration of life. And the word here means the essence of life, which means that Jesus must have a different understanding of life than we do. Jesus means something different by life uh, than merely existing for 80 or 90 years on this planet. Like if that's all you want, if all you want is, is to exist on this pale blue dot, you can have a pretty decent existence apart from Jesus. You can wake up, you can go to work every day, you can get married, you can build a family, you can have, buy a house, you can go on vacations, you can retire, watch an inordinate amount of cable news and die. You can do that and never fully know the abundant life that Jesus offers you. The vigor and the vitality that God intends for us to have because abundant life is not about achievements and it's not about possessions and it's not about status and it's not about security. The abundant life that Jesus offers is about meaning and purpose for all of your days on this earth and confidence in the life to come. The abundant life is about hope that does not put us to shame. It's about peace that surpasses all human understanding. It's about a joy inexpressible and full of glory. The abundant life is about a love incorruptible and satisfaction of the longing of every desire of the human heart for all of eternity. The abundant life is a richness of soul that does not exist apart from a relationship with the author of life himself. Who doesn't want that kind of life? Christmas is Jesus saying to us, I am the only way to the life that you really need. See, Jesus came, God himself wrapped in human flesh, John 1 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And Jesus is constantly saying things like, I am the way and the truth and the life. Or, I am the resurrection and the life. Here in our passage, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for my sheep. See, that's why Jesus took on flesh and blood and dwelt among us to give us life by laying down his life. Jesus came to this earth and, and the, the Bible says that he sympathized with all of our human weaknesses. He was tempted in every single way that you and I feel temptation and yet Jesus, because he's God in the flesh, was perfect and sinless. He never caved to those temptations. And when Jesus went to the cross, he owned all of our wrong as if it was his own. All of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt was laid upon Jesus. And he died in our place as a substitute for our sin at that cross. And he was buried. And on the third day, Jesus rose again. Life came back into his breathless lungs and he conquered sin and death for us. All we do is receive 
that gift with the empty hands of faith. And when we do, the life of God, the power of God, the vitality of God is poured into our souls by the Holy Spirit. And we are brought to new life. We are invigorated and we are given the power of God to live this life. In John chapter five, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It's simply about believing and receiving what Christ has done for us, why he came. He came to give us life. And if we hear his word and believe him who sent him, we can have eternal life. So Jesus is saying to all of us this morning, the thief comes to steal I came to give freely. The thief comes to kill, to end life. I came to save life. The thief comes to destroy. I came to renew, to restore, and to make whole again. In John chapter 17, I'll I'll end with this. Jesus is praying and he says this, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you know him this morning? Have you experienced true life, eternal life, real life in Jesus Christ? Will you receive that life today? It is on offer to every single one of us. This is why Jesus came, that we might have life and life abundant. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this short time together with these brothers and sisters. I thank you for the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And I pray that something uh, in our gathering this morning through liturgy and song and the proclamation of your word um, would resonate with the souls of your people, would remind us that, that you have come that we might have life. And Lord, that we would surrender ourselves to you, that we might find the life that we long for in Christ and Christ alone. As we respond to you now, um, we ask that you would be honored and glorified. And would you fill us with joy in your presence as we finish the remainder of this Christmas Eve gathering. We love you. We thank you for this time together. And we pray your blessing over our response in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.